0: And welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I am Bryson Carver. It is so exciting to be here on this Wednesday. A lot of NFL to talk, obviously. There was something major that happened in the NBA, you know, a few hours ago that might have just shaken up the league uh, in a pretty significant way. I'll, I'll obviously leave the show with that. But also, Bengals beat the Rams. I was wrong on that one. I picked the Rams, but the Bengals won. Uh, but I have to tell you, this style, what they're trying to do right now with Joe Burrow in particular is is not going to work, is not going to result in them being in Super Bowl contention. I'm totally out in the Bengals this year. I'll explain why in our second segment. Also going to get into carving up the context. And this week's edition of Carving Up the Context revolves around those New York football Jets. Um, <laughs> It is a classic case of something that plagues so many of us um, in society. And the New York Jets are exhibiting that right now. I'll discuss that. Also, Bryson's best 10, 10 best teams in the NFL uh, going into week four. A lot of shakeup here. A lot of teams were in last week. They're out. A lot of teams that some teams have, a couple teams I'm looking at right now, have not been in Bryson's best 10 all season long. They're in it now. Uh, And who's the best team in the NFL, given Miami scored 70, but San Francisco's got this great team, and Kansas City's doing what they're doing, and look out for Philadelphia 3-0 Bryson's Best 10, tune into that later on today's show on Carving Up Live. And of course, at the end of today's show, I will predict uh, tomorrow night's matchup, the NFC North matchup, between the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. I've talked about Amazon Prime, did and the NFL did a solid job, especially compared to last year, putting some pretty darn good Thursday night football games together. I hate Thursday night football, but they put a good one together for tomorrow night. Lions-Packers, big, big matchup, uh, in the NFC North winner gets to 3-1 and, and leads that division solo. But first... The biggest story in the NBA, it has shaken up the league in a massive way. Rudy Gay signed with the Golden State Warriors, my Golden State Warriors. Oh, oh, oh wait, you, you don't want to hear about that? Okay, well, the second biggest story. No, I'm, all jokes aside, uh, Damian Lillard is now a Milwaukee Buck. Earlier today... A little after 2 Eastern, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks completed a three-team trade that involved the Phoenix Suns and the Portland Trailblazers. More in Phoenix a little later, but Portland, Phoenix, and uh, and the Milwaukee Bucks put together a three-team trade that sends Damian Lillard to the Milwaukee Bucks. The other trade details if you want to know. Uh, the Phoenix Suns get Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. Tennessee guy Keon Johnson. Shout out to him. Uh, the Blazers get a haul. They get Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Tumani Kamara, and and they get a 2029 20, first rounder uh as well as a 2028 20, and 2030 first round swap rights with Milwaukee. The picks are unprotected. So, Portland gets a haul for, for Damian Lillard in this three-team trade. So, let's start first and foremost with the Milwaukee Bucks. Today, they are undeniably the favorites to win the NBA championship in 2024. They're not overwhelming favorites like my Warriors were in 2017 or like the Bulls were in, pick a year, 96, 97, 98. Not a situation like that. They're not a an unbeatable roster where you'd have, obviously, knock on wood injuries uh, that would have to, to to hold them back from doing so. But this is the best team in the National Basketball Association. What have we said about Milwaukee, the the one flaw of the Bucs, even the year they won the championship, uh, what has been the one flaw of the Bucs, like, God, they just had that, whether it be from Giannis or even Chris Middleton, uh, consistently from Middleton, is, man, when things aren't going that well, they need a guy to just give me the ball, let me go get a shot. Giannis can, but it almost always has to be in the paint. Uh, and obviously now you you, you and I shouldn't say now, you've never really been able to trust Giannis at the free throw line. We saw what happened in that game five when he went, I think it was 10 for 23 against the Miami Heat, really cost on that game five on uh, a chance to extend that series, getting gentlemen swept. You look at two Chris Middleton, right? Chris Middleton's a guy who at his best has made all star games, but he struggled with injuries the last few years. And we've always said, okay, if Chris Middleton's your number one option in terms of getting your own shot, you probably need an upgrade. They got that. And then some. Dame Lillard's a guy who had probably the best season of his career last year. Averaged 32 points a game, very efficient. uh, But again, was playing on a Portland Trail Blazers team that was never really in the playoff discussion. To the point where, with about a month left, about a month left in the regular season, they said, "You know what, Dame? We'll just go and sit you for the rest of the year. We don't want to get you hurt in case we do trade you." So Dame, they sat him for the year. He has obviously played his last game as a Blazer officially. He's now Milwaukee Buck. So for Damian Lillard, though. Because we'd heard the reports. I haven't talked a ton of Dame in the last month or so. Because my thing is, I'm not going to talk about Dame until a deal gets done. Because all it is at this point is just speculation. Now that it's official, I'll talk about Dame. Who we heard wanted to go to Miami. And said, I'm not going to go. If if you trade me anywhere else, talking to the Portland Trailblazers here. I want to play for Miami. No one else want to play for Miami. And there was reports that the Raptors were in discussions with the with the Bucks, which thank God he didn't end up in Toronto. Nothing against that city, great fans, great city. Um, but it's that's not a contender, and we want to see Damian Lillard in a contender. And it, obviously the Bucks are are that with or without Dame. Um, we heard the 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 Boston Celtics were in discussions with Portland to potentially get Dame, although those kind of stalled. They weren't apparently didn't last too long. Now it's Milwaukee who. And I love this. And I'll get to the, I guess I'll get to Giannis part in a second that I love. But for Dane now, he gets to do the first that he, for the first time in his career, this is now year 12 for Damian Lillard, drafted in 2012 out of Weber State. First year of his career that Dame has been able to say, I can now compete for championships. There was never, be honest with yourself, Portland fans, NBA fans, Dame fans like myself, there was never one year in that Damian Lillard era in Portland when we thought, They could legit go to the finals. They could win it. I remember Charles Barkley one year predicted them to go to the finals. Charles Barkley says some crazy stuff, and that's why we love Chuck, but that was never realistic. When you're running up against the Golden State Warriors or in 2020 the LA Lakers, and they get to a point come 2021 where Denver's better, Golden State's better, Lakers better, Phoenix better, you lose C.J. McCollum in a trade. They're bringing a lot of young pieces. That team was never going to compete. Really, the shocking factor is that it took as long as it did in terms of the last few years. It took as long as it did. For Damian Lillard, I remember doing segments on Dame potentially getting traded out of Portland back in 2021. We're now going into 23, 24 season. Dame is now finally, I shouldn't say finally out of Portland because it's a good organization. He just couldn't compete for championships there. What I love though, and love for Milwaukee and love for Giannis. I did a segment about this a month ago. Remember when Giannis and Tinacumpa was doing some of these media appearances? And Giannis isn't a guy who He's great with the media. We know we see the dad jokes after every Bucks win, which are great. But Giannis isn't a, a guy who's like this big attention seeker, so to speak. He's no Kawhi Leonard, but he's also no LeBron James or Steph Curry. He's not running to the media, so to speak. Not to say it's a knock on those guys that they are. It's just not necessarily in his personality, in his DNA. He doesn't work out with other NBA players unless they're his teammates. But Giannis goes to the organization. Giannis goes to, to the Milwaukee Bucks or not, go, go to Milwaukee Bucks and, and says publicly, says to, to, to the media, if the organization isn't going to put the pieces around me, if the organization d- doesn't show me that we're all in on winning titles while I'm here, I may have to start looking at other options. Remember, he did the exact same thing back in 2020. The Bucks, ironically, got gentlemen swept. Ironically, Giannis was hurt at one point in the series by the Miami Heat. Giannis goes to the organization. And, and you know, he, he doesn't he doesn't quite send the extension. He's not ready to. And they go and, get, and go out and get Drew Holiday, who's now obviously in Portland now. We assume the Blazers are going to move him. They get Drew Holiday and they win the championship in 2021. Drew Holiday was a critical part of that Bucks title run. Now the discussions, hey, how about 2025? Giannis could be a free agent then. Could we have like a Kevin Durant in 2016 or a LeBron in 2010 situation where we've got an awesome player, MVP in his prime on the open market for anybody to get? And he says, if you're not going to put the pieces around me, then I'm not going to go. I, I, I'm probably going to probably going to get out of here. Maybe the Knicks, maybe the Warriors, maybe some other team out there that I'm not mentioning. I heard Miami even even floated potentially as well. And, and Milwaukee's like, heck no, we're not going to make the same mistake with you that Cleveland made with LeBron and what Oklahoma City made with Durant. We're going to go get you Damian Lillard. There's a star, sorry, I apologize, Dame, a superstar that's on the trade block. The organization's looking to move him. They don't like Miami's trade package. Well, let's swoop in, save the day, go grab Damian Lillard, and in the process, undeniably put us certainly a spot above Miami, certainly at the top of the Eastern Conference, and as far as I'm concerned, atop the league. That's not to say they're unbeatable. That's not to say that a Boston, or somebody else uh, you know, out, out west, a Denver, a Lakers, a Warriors, could come in out of nowhere and beat them in a seven-game series. Of course they can. They're absolutely more than capable of doing that. But you, had, you now look at Milwaukee Bucks' team. Giannis, unquestioned best player, in my opinion, third-best player in the world, worst-case scenario. Damian Lillard is still a top-ten player. I mean, man averaged 32 points a game. He's, he's outstanding. He's been doing this forever. Dame's still great. Chris Middleton now is your three. Not necessarily playing the three, although he potentially may. But Chris Middleton's now your your third option, which is different from the title run in 2021. You got Brook Lopez size, you've got Bobby Portis size. They've got shooters. They've got. I in my view, they upgraded at head coach. The formula is there: size, shooting, defense. You say, well, what about Drew Holiday? Drew Holiday is potentially the best uh, guard defender in the NBA with respect to guys like Marcus Smart. He is, and I, you guys know I love Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday, at his best, is an all-star. He's, a, he's one of the best two-way players in basketball. Matter of fact, maybe the biggest play of that final series, remember Drew Holiday taking the ball to Devin Booker's hands and the lob the honest, it's kind of like the flashpoint play from that series against Phoenix. Drew Holiday was so valuable, and I get this is one series, but Drew Holiday was so valuable to the Milwaukee Bucks last year in the playoffs, Miami never scored less than 119 points. And we didn't exactly view, wasn't our criticism of Miami as, man, they play hard. They're good defensively. They're well-coached. God, they just can't make enough shots. They never scored less than 119 points a game. All right, and never scored less than 119 points in that five-game series against Milwaukee. Drew Holiday was on the floor for that series, got cooked. The whole Bucks team got cooked. So I don't think it's a situation where Drew Holiday is, is the missing piece necessarily, at least as currently constituted, as currently constructed, to them going on another title run. Damian Lillard is. This is a game changer. This is now the best duo in the NBA. This is better than LeBron at AD. This is better than KD and Book. That's the best duo in the NBA. That's the best team in the NBA. I think they're well coached. They play in a conference that, where you look at Boston, I really like Boston this year. Um, I I thought they upgraded at the assistant coach who could potentially become the head coach in Sam Cassell, but we'll see how that plays out. Do we really buy in Philadelphia, though? I mean, isn't it kind of total chaos over there? Do we really buy at the Knicks as a title contender? Playoff team, sure. Title contender. Miami's going to be there because they're Miami, but doesn't there seem like there's a, Pretty significant talent gap. Sure, it might have seemed that way in the playoffs last year, but now you had Damian Lillard, the guy who Miami wanted. That kind of tips the scales just a little bit. So props to the Milwaukee Bucks for making this move. To me, again, I think they're the best team in the East, the best team in the NBA, uh, and then this was a remarkable deal for them. Remar- I mean, I, I'm i actually sitting, I happen to be sitting in English class, and you know, I've got my Apple Watch on, and my, my watch just keeps going off, keeps going off. What is going on right now? So I check my watch. I'm like, holy crap! What? I didn't blurt that out loud. Thank God. But that's what I'm thinking inside. And so, surprising deal. We'd heard rumors, you know, little rumblings that maybe they're in contact with with the Milwaukee Bucks. The Blazers were at least. Um, so yeah, props to them for making this deal. Here's where real. Bre- well, before I get to Phoenix, let me. Talk about Portland briefly. Um, so Portland gets Holiday, who they're going to move, because his contract's going to expire relatively soon. And they Apparently Miami's interested in Drew Holiday. Philadelphia's interested in Drew Holiday. He's going to have plenty of suitors. Okay, He's an incredibly valuable player to a team. It's just, you, listen, Milwaukee had to give him up in order to get Dame. It's worth that price. But again, Portland gets Drew Holiday. Uh, I'm not sure quite how long Drew Holiday is going to be there. Maybe he's traded before the season. Maybe he's traded midseason. Um, but good veteran leader if he is there. But, again, I assume he's going to be elsewhere on a on a contender. Deion Drayton, well, they've got a big, you know, kind of a developmental piece. Uh, now, it's it's weird to say that given that he's going into year six. But he needed a change of senior. You kind of understand that from an emotional perspective uh, with him. Hopefully, Portland provides that. Hopefully, Chauncey Billups. Provides that for him, so I think that'll be good for DeAndre, and good for the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, they get another bench player, they get a bunch of first-round picks, so they're they're good there. Um, so I, I I think solid move. Again, Portland wasn't going to get a King's ransom necessarily. That we, we got to stop. We talk about these mock NBA trades. The Rudy Gobert thing—that's an outlier. Like that, what? <laughs> Not to make fun of the Timberwolves today, but they're kind of like the Cleveland Browns of the NBA. Uh, they're a very easy organization to make fun of. Minnesota making that move and giving up four picks for Rudy Gobert, that's not the norm. Okay, that doesn't happen. That's the very reason KD didn't get traded last offseason, that he got traded midseason. Like, that that's not the norm in the NBA. So, we got to stop assuming that. That's Don't, other organizations aren't going to make moves to mirror the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're trying to mirror Miami and Milwaukee and Golden State. Okay, they're not worried about the irrelevant Timberwolves. Okay, that's why Anthony Edwards is going to leave. That's why this, he's, he's going to leave at some point. No question about it. Patrick Brown's the comments. Before I get to uh, Phoenix, Patrick Brown, teammate of mine here on the Grid Network. Patrick says, glad it worked out for all parties involved. Now, Dame can focus on the upcoming season. Miami loses out. Their next option could be Joel Embiid. Stay tuned. Interesting. I think it's in the cards, no question. I know the Knicks have been discussed for a while. The Knicks and the Lakers are always discussed for literally everybody. Um, listen, it's the two biggest markets in America, so you understand that. But, but yeah, it, that would be a... Be a heck of a move if, if they get him. If Embiid can stay healthy, of course, that's a kind of a, a roadblock for Phoenix. And a lot of people are praising them for what they got in return. They got some solid bench players. They got Grayson Allen. They got uh, Nasir Little, Keon Johnson. Keon Johnson isn't going to play much for him. I love him, Tennessee guy, but he's not going to play much. Um, Here's the problem. <laughs> so everybody loves Phoenix this season. And you understand why Kevin Durant is not a star? He's a superstar. He's undeniably one of the five best players on planet Earth. You added Bradley Beal, who's spectacular as a score, not very good defensively, but a spectacular score. You have Devin Booker, who I think is one of the 10 best players in the world, had a ridiculous playoffs last year, Was out, was at one point the best player in the playoffs. You got a solid coach in Frank Vogel. You added some good pieces on your bench. Guys like Eric Gordon, the kid they had, uh, wantanabe from the from the Nets, I really like as a shooter. They added some nice pieces. Here's the issue for Phoenix, though. Uh, they still don't have a point guard. That's kind of important. We saw, I think, Boston kind of taught us that lesson. And now they go from... A big that kind of gets on your nerves, whether it be with his attitude, whether it be with his consistency, with his productivity. And listen, DeAndre didn't need a, a new change of senior. You understand that, but... at least he was available. They now add a Yusuf Nurkic, who since the year of our Lord, 2019, has never played more than 56 games in a season. And he's only 29. Now, one could argue, hey, this should be the prime of Nurkic's career, but a lot of lower body injuries and a situation where in the Western Conference, there's some good bigs. There's that guy, uh, maybe you've heard of him, his name's Nikola Jokic, he's solid, you know, he's only won two MVPs, he's the reigning finals MVP and had an insane postseason run last year, that could be a problem. How about, and I, listen, I may call him, you know, coin flip Davis, See what that land on landing on heads. So AD's gonna have a good game, I guess, first game of the year against Denver. Point is inconsistent as he may be, unreliable physically as he may be, uh, you want Anthony Davis in that matchup against uh Yusuf Nurkic? I think I would. I think I would take that. Yes, I I would. And as crazy as this sounds, that guy in Golden State, Kevon Looney, certainly not even close to the level of Jokic or Anthony Davis. The man is not only Ironman, hasn't missed a game since 2021, but is the best offensive rebounder in basketball. You think over and over and over, time and time again, banging bodies, that Kevon Looney isn't going to get the upper hand in many of those matchups and kind of wear Nurkic down. Again, if he's healthy, we knock on wood for him. But now the Phoenix Suns, now they're in a position, (laughs) in a position where three of their best five players Three of their best five, Durant, Beal, Nurkic, all of them are injury prone. I did a stat when they made the Beal trade, and I said, I hate this move. They now don't have a point guard. I We, we figured they were going to get rid of DeAndre Ayton, so they wouldn't have a big. Now they, they have a big, but he can't stay healthy. Only played 52 games last year for Portland. And you have a situation where Katie's injury prone, only played 40-some games last year. Bradley Beal's dealt with injuries since the, for, for the last few years, ever since 2019-2020. And so is Nurkic. I mean, he has he has one season on his resume where he played eight games, but another season where he played fifty, another season where he played fifty, and he's only twenty nine, and he's a big. That kind of sounds like a problem. Now, listen, I like Frank Vogel as a defensive coach. I I I said when he was fired by the Lakers, this is he's the fall guy for the Lakers. This is not his fault. Should not have been fired by L.A. Like him, he's a downgrade for Monty Williams, who's their point guard now. They let go of campaign. I guess they could, in theory, bring campaign back. But do we ever look at campaign as like a pure natural point guard? Not really. You can put collections of talents together, collections well, of talent together, and that's fine. With scores like KD, Beal, and Booker, but who's your primary defensive stopper? Who? Like a, who, who? Who is it? Because Nurkic isn't going to be a shot blocker down there, and that's really what you'll need him for. Because if you if you get him on switches with with guys like uh like Steph. Like Jamal Murray, like De'Aaron Fox, oh, they're gonna torch him. They're gonna give him not 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 Rudy Gobert torch on the perimeter, but torch him. Get getting in their bag, dribble behind the back moves. So this move for Phoenix, I it, it is. I understand the new owner Matt Ishbia buys the team earlier this year after the disgraced former owner Robert Sarver's gone, and I understand he wants to make his mark. It is a win now situation with the Phoenix Suns. We understand that given who they have in that on on that roster. But he it's almost as if he's trying to show the other owners of the NBA, hey, look how great, look how smart I am, look how good my team's going to be. It looks like he's trying to pull a Joe Lacob to a certain degree, owner of the Warriors, and while Joe Lacob can't, and I understand this, even as a Warriors fan, I understand Joe Lacob can rub people the wrong way in terms of he comes off at times a little arrogant, but Joe Lacob, that took a while to build in Golden State. I mean, Joe, when, when Joe Lacob and the other owner of the Warriors, the the, the, the co-owner, uh, majority owner, Peter Goober, bought the team, and I think it was 2010, 2011, around that time, they were booed by the organization, or but not by the organization, by the fans at the old Oracle Arena. Steph was already there, but you had to draft Clay Thompson. You had to draft Draymond Green. You had to sign Andre Iguodala, You had to sign, or David Lee, I think, was already there. You traded for Andrew Bogut. You, you, you had to make all of these moves, like, this is not one thing that is accomplished in one offseason. And even if it is, it's the wrong move. Or wrong moves, plural. So, I've I've said since the start of the offseason. And I think I maintain it as much as ever now. Denver's the favorite out west. Golden State and the Lakers are tied uh, in that second, third spot. And then it's a discussion, honest to God, Sacramento or Phoenix? We're like, oh, Sacramento doesn't play defense. Does Phoenix? Did did you did you watch that playoff series against Denver? Do you, you think Phoenix was just locking locking Denver down even in their two wins? I don't think so. I mean it it, it is <laughs> this move it, you, you love it. You as a Warriors fan, obviously hoping we can break through, get to another finals. Think we have a great chance to do so. Love the moves we have made. Rudy Gay added today, nice move. Uh, uh, Mike Dunleavy Jr. solid solid move, my guy. But seeing Phoenix do this, like okay, they're become less and less and less. Of a threat. And I'd imagine Nuggets and Lakers fans feel the exact same way. Because that's that's how I feel as a Warriors fan. I, I don't buy this team whatsoever. At all. Patrick Brown. You, who's a Lakers fan by the way. You can't rely on scoring to be the be- to beat the best teams in the West. It'll be a disaster for Phoenix. Everything you mentioned will be validated in 2024. Yeah, disaster in the sense of obviously there's the championship expectations. And again, a lot of that is warranted because of who you have. Because the fact you just played in the finals two years ago. The year after that, you won 65 games, albeit gagged against the Dallas Mavericks in the second round. But you did win 65 games. But man, these moves that that has been made uh, recently has has been confusing. From a basketball sense, I don't see how they work. In Milwaukee, Damon Giannis is a match made. I was talking to my buddy uh, Philip, who comments on the show often. Great, great friend of mine. And uh he he said the best. It's a match made in basketball heaven. Not I forgot to mention with Dame. The pick and roll with him and Giannis. Oh my gosh. Or or or, or the pick and roll with him and Bobby Portis or Brooke Lopez. It's gonna be hard to stop. So love the trade for the Bucks. A really good trade for Portland because now they not only get assets. And uh, they, they got, who was it they got in return along with? Uh, they got DeAndre Ayton, obviously. They got another bench player, Kamara. They added multiple first-round picks, and they'll get more from Drew Holiday. So, solid move by Portland. I've always said, uh, Portland, we don't ever look at them in the context of great organizations at the NBA, and I would not consider them a great one. But Portland is kind of like Utah, where it's out west, but they they don't get the shine of the Lakers and of the Warriors and of, these days, the Clippers. But certainly when you view them today, you say, or not just today, just historically. Them in the Utah Jazz, kind of isolated a little bit. Not a big market, but they tend to be pretty well run. Portland's going to start their rebuild. I love their backcourt with uh, with Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp. Love those two. Chauncey Billis, I think, is, is, is a solid head coach. So Portland's a good spot. Hate the trade for Phoenix. Hate it. I don't get it whatsoever from a basketball standpoint. Patrick says, when the Suns have to play Denver, L.A. Lakers, Golden State, they'll be exposed for lack of size, and no point guard will be their undoing. I can't wait. Oh, neither can I. Now, remember last year, and I ended up being sort of half wrong on it, right in the sense that my Warriors ended up winning the series, but remember those that you know, saw my show toward the end of last year's regular season when I'm like, you know, golden state's losing a few games. They probably shouldn't, but I'm like, no, 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 this is chess, not checkers. No, no, no. You want to draw the six seed. You want to draw the Sacramento Kings. You don't want to draw Phoenix with CP three, Chris Paul. I'm sorry, CP three, KD and book and Monty Williams, a head coach. You don't want to draw, you know, the, uh, uh, crap, who was the, two? uh, of course drawing Memphis would have been a delight of mine because we would have eliminated them. But, you want Sacramento. Don't play defense. No playoff experience. You know their head coach. Now, again, I say half wrong because it took a seven, and they had us on the brink there for a minute until Steph went off for 50 in that game seven, but this, I I, I could see a situation where toward the end of the season you got teams like, now lower seeded, so maybe a Clippers, again, health permitted. That is always a question. And They almost are never healthy, and that sucks, but they're Paul George Kawhi almost never healthy. But if you have, maybe the Clippers are healthy. Again, knock them wood. They're not a contender. But if the Clippers are in that sixth seed, if, hey, dare I say Memphis is around that spot, I'd really like to draw Phoenix. I'm not going to lie. I'm just saying, if, if if there's a spot, you could see teams kind of gunning to play the Suns in that 1st round series. Just telling you. It's either that or the defending champs, LeBron James or Steph Curry. You, 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 you choose. I mean, it's, it's kind of, I mean, at least on my end, it's an easy choice, but maybe, um. maybe other teams feel differently. We'll see. This is going to be a great NBA season though. It's, I know we say that every year, but let's see today, September 27th. So we've got three weeks, four weeks. I'm sorry. Four weeks till the start of the season, October 21st, four weeks from yesterday. Uh, You've got Lakers, Denver, and you've got warrior Suns. So you got, you know, bunch of contenders and the Phoenix Suns. You know, playing on opening night, so that'll be that'll be fun for sure. Okay, so again, I never thought a show, a Wednesday show in late September, would involve me talking about the NBA for almost a half hour. But it's that big of a trade, it's that sizable, or uh, it, it it it's not I shouldn't say sizable necessarily, but it's a it shakes up the league quite a bit. And Rudy Gay's a good move by the Golden State Warriors. Nice freaking job, Mike Dunleavy Jr. That's my man right there. Okay, he's no Bob Myers, but he doesn't have to be. Okay, now to the NFL. Okay, I thought I was going to be leading off with, with Bengals-Rams. That happens to be now my second topic. So Bengals beat the Rams the other night on Monday Night Football. 16 I'm sorry, 19-16. to 16, The Super Bowl rematch was not quite as uh, entertaining as Super Bowl 56 was, no question about it. Um, I picked the Rams. Of course, I was wrong because I thought uh, Aaron Donald would have a massive uh, evening you make things tough for Joe Burrow and Aaron Donald did play well so it, it wasn't his fault that they lost uh, but Stafford threw a couple of bad picks uh, the Rams weren't able to move the offense down the field they didn't commit to the run which was odd because they ran the ball really well the first couple of weeks but point being Bengals we we let's be honest we care about more more about them than we do the Rams cuz we view them in a higher you know arc than we do LA so for Cincinnati sure you, you got the W Burrow finished the game healthy enough Ah uh, you established a run to 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 a solid degree uh Joe mixon uh, had a solid night had a touchdown jamar Chase had a great performance what do you have thirteen sorry twelve catches for a buck, forty one uh had some big plays down the field defense looks really good uh the linebacker uh Logan wilson had a big uh big night. here's the problem um you did win the battle. you're gonna lose the war as the title of this episode happens to say because. It is in an AFC. Bryson's best ten. A little later in the show, in an AFC that is just stacked with contenders: Kansas City, Miami. Um, think about teams like the Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh. My Steelers. I don't think are we are contenders, but we're certainly in a position maybe to win a playoff game. And there, we're in Cincinnati's division. In that division, in that division, and certainly in that conference, with all bunch of contenders. The Bengals' best chance to get to the Super Bowl is with a healthy Joe Burrow, and they don't have that. And what reason do I have to believe that things are going to get better from that standpoint for Cincinnati? I say that because they won that game last the other night. They absolutely had to. I, I, I said their season is over if they lose this game to the Rams. To start 0-3 in that division, in that conference, it's going to be almost impossible to get him with a beat-up quarterback. Uh, even if without a beat-up quarterback, it's tough. But the next couple of games are against the Tennessee Titans, who are reeling offensively, and the Arizona Cardinals. My man Joshua Dobbs, listen, he's space Dobbs. My man can pull off anything. Okay, Josh, you never know. But Cincinnati's better than Arizona. They should win that game. After that, starting on October 15th, starting on October 15th, all the way to December Fourth. That's no, so not December fourth. All the way the rest of the season. Let's just do the rest of the season. Here's they got from October fifteenth on. From week uh, that would be week uh, six on. Seattle. Then a bye week. At the Niners. Home against the Bills. The Texans who are uh, CJ Stroud looks better better every week. At the Ravens. Steelers. At the Jags. Colts and eh, Vikings and eh, at the Steelers. At the Chiefs. On New Year's Eve, home against the Browns, and we saw you know, we, Joe Burrow is, he's kind of struggled in his career against the Cleveland Browns and that defense. So props to him they had to win this game, and frankly, they have to win these next two to get to three and three, put yourself in a position where you're at least in the mix for that division and more importantly for the playoffs as a whole. But it is, and it's so frustrating about this since the start of the year, since that first game against Cleveland, which was just a shock to me in that Cincinnati has invested, to their credit, a cheap ownership group, but they've invested a lot of dough, a lot of, lot of bread in that offensive line. And they still can't protect Joe Burrow. They took Mahomes' left tackle. Still can't protect Joe Burrow. Orlando Brown's had some awful games thus far this season, and they struggled against the Rams the other night. So again, now that bye week could be critical in terms of get give Joe Burrow an extra week to heal that, heal that calf, and that's huge. But again, when you consider what the calf injury initially was, and I'm no doctor, certainly not going to play one in this show. A medical professional would know far more than me on this particular uh subject. But given that it was a non contact injury, uh back in training camp, we saw the video. I played out on Carving it Up Live when it happened back in July. Given that he reaggravated, it, made it worse in Week 2 against the Baltimore Ravens. It was darn near a game-time decision if he was even going to play on Monday Night Football. I'm all of a sudden supposed to believe it's going to get better? I'm all of a sudden supposed to believe that given that schedule... By the way, forget the teams. The teams as a whole. Let's talk about the defensive lines they're going to face. Seattle's got a good D-line. San Francisco's D-line is... Insane, might be the best in football, along with Philadelphia. Um, Buffalo's got a great defensive line that doesn't even have Von Miller back yet. Baltimore's got a great D line. S- Pittsburgh, my Steelers have we have an insane defensive line, and they play us twice uh, over the course of this you know the rest of the season. Uh, Kansas City's got an elite defensive line led by Chris Jones, and the Browns have Miles Garrett and all those playmakers, and and uh, Zadarius uh, Z- uh, Smith. So that's all these games compounding on, on, on one another where Joe Burrow's is going to take a lot of shots. So, and one thing too, we think about Joe Burrow as like this pure pocket passer. He's kind of not necessarily the anti-Mahomes because Mahomes is a great pocket passer, but we think of Joe Burrow as kind of like the traditional drop back, throw the ball accurately. And of course, accuracy, I think is absolutely his biggest uh, positive trait as a quarterback. But we forget sometimes, you go back to his at LSU and even to now, not quite as much now due to all the lower body injuries he's suffered. But Joe is a guy who can move outside the pocket and make some tough throws. He's made many over the years to Jamar Chase back at LSU and now with the Cincinnati Bengals. He's done so as well with T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and the crew. You've kind of taken, or I shouldn't say you, I'm talking about a defense, but the injury has kind of sapped a little bit of, of that out of him. So how's he going to adjust? How's this Bengals offensive line going to adjust? So for Cincinnati moving forward, I'm sorry, this is a big, big, big time concern for them. And whether or not they'll be able to, to get this fixed, whether they got to put an extra tight end in there, whether they got to put uh, you know, Joe Mixon in more plays than they do in terms of you know run blocking. Or not, I'm sorry, not run blocking, uh pass blocking. I don't know that that, that I watched that game the other night and again Joe Burrow had a pass rating in the low in the high 50s, a QBR of twenty five. He didn't look great again in his defense. He's beat up, he's facing a pass rush. Uh, But I just don't – you tell me through three games, you look at the Cincinnati Bengals, and we are through three games, but this is a major injury. You're telling me that looks like a Super Bowl contender? Are we sure about that? We can think about their resume, and that matters. No question about it. But overall, when you look at the makeup of the team, defense is good. Defense keep them in a lot of games, and that might be the secret sauce for the Bengals to eke out a lot of these wins against these great opponents. But even that, even in that division today, Baltimore's better. I'm first of all, we saw it firsthand because Baltimore beat them just last week okay, in Cincinnati. Uh, Lamar outplayed Burrow in that game. The Ravens' defense looked outstanding, but the Ravens have an excellent defense. I'm going to talk about. Uh, through the Ravens a little later. They got a lot of guys coming back from injury. Ronnie Stanley in particular uh, coming back from injury. You've got the Pittsburgh Steelers who you know, build a little momentum here. You know, when we play, don't play the 49ers. We we look pretty solid. Certainly the defense does. And the offense looks to be picking up a little bit of momentum. And even Cleveland. And God knows I am not a Cleveland defender or a Cleveland apologist. And trust me, if you're a Cleveland apologist, you apologize a lot. But that defensive line, that defense in general. Scary. And if Deshaun Watson is somewhat on in terms of his production, look at those receivers they have. Look at the running game, the offensive line. Cincinnati today is the worst team in that division. Today, they are the worst team in that division. No question about it. Uh, Let's look at the comments. Darian Hopkins, by the way, before I even, uh, you know, Responded Darian's comment. Darian Hopkins, uh, who's the newest member of the Grid Network, he's been an outstanding addition. Has been doing a lot of these live stream reaction. He's been doing this even before his his you know his uh, now tenure at the Grid. Darian has been doing these uh, these live reaction uh, shows or live streams where he's watching a game, kind of gives like a play by play response to comments the whole bit. Uh, Darian, uh, let me check YouTube because I want to get the numbers right because I'm, I'm sure they've only ticked up uh, since the last time that I checked. Uh, and be sure to subscribe to his show. Again, I've got his, his comment up there, so subscribe to his show. Uh, let me pull this up. So Darian the other night was reacting to the Eagles-Buccaneers game, the other Monday night football game. And it is now, uh, by a pretty solid margin, the most viewed live uh, show in the history of the Grid Network, about 3.2K uh, views. So hats off to to Darren. He's doing a great job at this network. Um, a fellow Vols fan, by the way, too. When, when Again, I always say, when Barry called me, text me, whatever he did, and he told me, hey, we're adding this guy, check him out. And, and I'm like, oh my God, he's a Vols fan. Heck yeah, Adam. <laughs> Heck yeah, Adam. No question about it. Although my Steelers did get your Raiders, Darian. But Darian says, what's good? What's good, Darian? What topics are we talking about? Well, listen, just talked about the Dame trade, obviously. Lover for Milwaukee. Really like it for, for Portland. Again, Portland was going to trade him eventually. Uh, and hate it for Phoenix. Hate Phoenix's return. Uh, just talked about Joe Burrow. And the Bengals, going to get into Bryson's best 10 a little late in the show. My best, uh, my top 10 teams in the NFL going into week four. By the way, week four games, I'll talk about this a little later. Great slate of week four action in the National Football League. And at the end of today's show, speaking of week four, and speaking of very intriguing matchups, I'm going to react to Lions-Packers. Big, big, big time matchup in the NFC North. Uh, No question about it. Um, Oh, here we go. Grid Network comments. Darian's Raider Roundup debut is tonight. There we go. How about that? So, Darian, he's got a new Raiders pie. I forgot to mention that. I apologize, Darian. Uh, De- uh, Darian's got a new Ravens. Uh, Ravens. Raiders. Devin is our Ravens guy. Um, We're going to beat you on week five, by the way, Devin. Uh, just so we we'll beat Darian's uh, Raiders week three. But Darian's got a Raiders show. Roundup. What, what's it called again? I want to make sure I'm getting this right. Darian's Raider Roundup uh, is going to be uh, tomorrow night. The Raider Roundup tomorrow night. Or tonight? Tonight. So I, I'm sorry. Tonight on the grid network. Um, definitely check that out. Cause we, we got a lot of great team shows. Parnell's got the commander's demand. Um, Devin's got the, the at the bank podcast. we got a lot of great, uh, great uh, individual team shows uh, on the grid. John. Wow. Wow. John, John says fan perspective podcast and shout out to John, John uh, for competing last night in the eight o'clock spot in the grid. John, John says the Suns, the Suns won this raid. I I I kind of would I, I want to see in the comments here, John John, what you feel free to, to chime in, uh, in terms of why you think that is the case. Because I hate the deal for Phoenix. My thing is they already had the depth, so I don't think this helps them a lot more. It's not like Keon Johnson is, again. I hate to be throwing shots at Keon. It's a Tennessee guy, but he's not gonna be playing a whole lot for him. Um, they add a big who can't stay healthy, and they still don't have a point guard. So I don't. Love that trade form, uh, Parnell. Parnell, the host of the Commanders Demand podcast, here in the Grace. His thoughts on Brianna Stewart winning the WNBA MVP. Personally, I thought it should have been Asia Wilson. Um, she had the better overall season. You saw, or at least I saw her comments last night before the Aces playoff game, uh, where she she was pretty pissed off about it. Understandably so. Uh, you could see you could see Brianna and Asia kind of being like the Jokic Embiid of the WNBA, like two bigs. You know, two centers, you know, really making it happen. Listen, it's, in terms of the of the New York Liberty, I've always been, since her days at Oregon, been a massive, massive Sabrina UNESCO fan. Um, I actually made the claim back in 2020 on the show that uh, when it's all said and done, she will be the greatest women's basketball player ever. I truly, truly believe that. Um, we, I hope we get an Aces Liberty WNBA Finals. It's trending that direction. Um, they both happen to play tonight, by the way. Uh, Aces play the Dallas Wings tonight. Uh... Uh, in Game Three, and the New York Liberty play the Connecticut Sun on that series. That's a tied series, by the way. Connecticut's got a good squad. Still got the Liberty coming out, but the WNBA Finals starts pretty soon. Um, that league has grown a lot uh, in the last couple of years. Kathy Engelbert, the new commissioner, has done a spectacular job. Um, I, I I think it would be outstanding for the. It's going to be great when players like Caitlin Clark, Haley Van Lith. Um, Angel Reese, players like that coming to the WNBA starting in next year's draft, given what they've done in college. But um, this would be great for the WNBA if we get this series. I mean, we, we could have a legit rivalry brewing, coast-to-coast, Vegas, New York, two big markets. be great for the WNBA. Patrick says, run up the likes and the subscriptions for The Grid as well. No question about that. Everyone who's watching, we greatly appreciate everyone for their support. Absolutely, absolutely. Echo everything Patrick says. Subscribe to the grid. Subscribe to all of our shows here at the grid. John John says he's talking about the talking about Phoenix won the trade. He says they add depth and save money. Don't sleep on Nasir Little. I'm not gonna sleep on him, but I don't think when we're you know, we're at the end of the season, um, even if let's just say the Phoenix Suns win the next year's championship, just in a hypothetical, uh, I don't think we're gonna be looking like, yeah, you know, that that edition, Nasir Little, that that's what put him over the top right there. Eh. Nice player. Good wing, but eh. Uh Parnell says USC versus Colorado is gonna is gonna be the game to watch this weekend. So it's certainly gonna get the highest ratings, potentially, potentially the best two quarterbacks in college football uh in Shador Sanders and in particular Caleb Williams. Uh but it's a good it, it's a good college football slate. So we got Kansas. Kansas is ranked. They got at Texas. You never know what could happen there. I'm going with Texas, but we'll see. Uh what else we got? Utah, Oregon State is actually tomorrow. No, 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 Friday. That's a big game. Two ranked teams in the Pac-12, which in its final season, um, basically as a conference, at least in relevance, is going to be. Um, it's going out. It's going out on a on a high note. LSU at Ole Miss. Smell potential upset there, but I did pick LSU to win the division, so I'm gonna roll with them. Notre Dame and Duke. Uh, college game day is gonna be there. Big game uh, there. Two very good quarterbacks, especially the kid Riley at uh, at Duke is excellent. What else we got? Uh my Vols against South Carolina we're going with the 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 uh the blackout uniforms or no they're not called, the dark mode uniforms. That's what they're called. The dark which if you haven't seen them online, Google them, they just might be the best uniforms in college football and I'm not speaking as a biased Tennessee fan. Well maybe I am a little bit, but they are really good. Uh Patrick says, your thoughts on Golden State possibly getting a WNBA team. L- look, I would I think the it, Bay Area would be great for a WNBA team. And I said this when I did my 20th the show after I turned twenty back in June that I had a list of things I want to see happen in sports in my twenties, and one of them was for Nashville, the city of Nashville, to get an NBA team and a Major League Baseball team. We've got the I don't know, the baseball team will be a little harder, but we've got the arena, beautiful arena, Bridgestone Arena at um in Nashville. I actually, saw the great Luke Bryan there uh, in concert last month, which was a blast. But they've got the arena there. Um WNBA team would be fine in Nashville but in Golden State too listen it's a it's a basketball craze town it's the bay area uh it's it's a very that would be a great fit beautiful Chase Center is a gorgeous arena uh right on the water it, it I think that'd be great for the WNBA to get a team in the bay area no question let's see Man, we got a lot of comments here i love it john john says liberty has vegas as no they seem to I mean, Sabrina and Brianna in particular have had some big, big performances uh, against the Liberty this year. So, you know, it could be a, could this, uh, again, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Could this be like the Cleveland golden state of the WNBA? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. Because I picked the Liberty before the year to win the championship. Um, now, some of that, some of that, just a small portion was the fact they added Candace Parker, VFL, greatest women's player in the history of Tennessee. But, they had a Parker, park, but she's out right now. She's out right now. She'd been out a while. Whether or not she comes back is kind of a question mark. Um, Kelsey plums outstanding Asia Wilson. Uh, yeah, that would be, that's good. That could be great finals. John, John USC by 14. I probably agree with you. Tyler Helton. Yo, what's up, Tyler? How you doing, man? Uh, Parnell says thoughts on J Cole revealing caps letter uh, to the jets. I did see that. Uh, J Cole, one of the best rappers of the game. One of my favorites. Um, yeah, I saw he revealed that in Instagram. Yeah, listen, my thing is, uh, there's, and I'm about to talk about the Jets. Funny you mentioned that, Parnell. i to talk about the Jets in just a second. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Cap wrote a, a letter to the Jets organization, to Joe Douglas in particular, basically saying, hey, what do you have to lose? At least give me a shot to try out. I'd like to be, to give have an opportunity to be on the practice squad, just to get back in the NFL, uh, to have an opportunity to get the, the defense ready and just to be, you know, in the organization. Again, look, I, I, I've been I've been one of the folks saying for the past few years that, you know, what is the hurt in trying out cap? I actually did a segment about a year and a half ago saying that um, Buffalo adding cap would make sense because you always want your backup quarterback or quarterbacks to be similar stylistically to your starter, and cap kind of is the poor man's Josh Allen uh, to a certain extent. Uh, in his last year, didn't turn the ball over as much as Josh, but, you know, you you have that aspect of it as well. Uh, Listen, if Cap was cool with J. Cole revealing that, then, I mean, I assume he is. J. Cole's obviously got a very big platform, uh, so I assume he gave him the okay there. But, look, it's, let's see, seven years since Cap has played. I I hope he gets the opportunity to get back in the league. Whether, however you feel about his protest or or, or not, it's, I've heard so many people, not to go too down deep in this rabbit hole, but I can't tell you the number of people, well, just because he wasn't good anymore. Stop. You're telling me there's, 32 quarterbacks better than Cap, probably, at that point. You tell me there's 64, which is how many starters and backups there are were better than Cap at that point. Heck, I'm dead serious. At this point, you see Zach Wilson playing for the Jets? Again, just literally about to get into the Jets and Zach Wilson in just a second, but I'm just saying. Heck, New England. I'd probably take Mac over Cap, but uh, I don't know. Again, the only thing, though, is Parnell, seven years a long time. And I hope he gets the opportunity. I really, really do um, seven years of the while, uh, John Rivera says, uh, nobody wants him. Uh, you sure you don't want him for the Jets, are you sure, are you sure, you (laughs) I'm just saying, yeah, listen, again, I'll say my Jets stuff for just a second, Tyler Helton, who you got, KC versus the Jets, well, I typically say my predictions for Friday, but, uh, Chiefs, stop, it's not not even, it's not even have discussion about this, so, now again, love comments. Love everybody tuning into uh, or chiming in to the comment section. Um, absolutely love it. But uh want to get into our next uh, topic. And like I said, as always, be sure to click that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. We're trying to get to one thousand subscribers by Super Bowl fifty-eight, uh, which is February eleventh. So trying to get to thousand subscribers in the show. If we haven't reached three hundred, we're darn close. Um, just had a Tua video that you know is, is is doing pretty well. So check that out and definitely subscribe to Carving It Up Live. We greatly appreciate it. But It's time for a segment that I introduced about a month ago to the show. It is called Carving Up the Context. So as primetime Deion Sanders says, give me my theme music. Okay, so on this week's edition of Carving Up the Context, we've got as I just now mentioned, the New York Jets who are in quarterback hell <laughs> that is putting it mildly. Zach Wilson is currently their guy, Tim Boyle is their backup. Uh, Tim Boyle is you know, he's I think he, I think I saw uh, somebody said he had 108 attempts and had a uh, Pretty solid, a uh, pretty high amount of interceptions. So not not a great backup to have to Zach Wilson. Uh, and they just signed Trevor Simeon yesterday. So it feels like at some point Trevor's probably going to become the starter. He's started some. He has actually with the Jets back in 2019. But that's beside the point, at least for the time being. Okay, so Robert Sala, who I really like by the way, I think is a good coach, is the head coach of the Jets. And of course, this season just blew smithereens four plays in the season when Aaron Rodgers um, tore his Achilles against the Buffalo Bills, and it was, of course, just a gut punch, even if you're not a Jets, I can't imagine if you're a Jets fan and, and give it what you've suffered, but uh, as an NFL fan, man, it just sucked to see that happen, uh, whether you like Rodgers or not, and I was starting to really kind of to buy into him in terms of his leadership since he moved to the city of New York, seemed to be more comfortable there, but... Be as amazing, He's not there anymore. Zach Wilson's been the guy. First two games. Actually, really, first three games. He might as well have been the starter for the Bills game for as long as he played. Was fine. Uh, okay, against the Bills. Was terrible against Dallas. Was even worse against the New England Patriots uh, on Sunday. What's amazing is that the Jets almost won that game on a Hail Mary, which shows you how bad the New England quarterback situation is as well. But this is about the Jets. So Robert Sala was talking uh, to the media. Um... About Zach Wilson, and he said, "quote We see on a day in and day out basis, uh, we see on a day in and day out basis as a young man who is much improved. Can't tell from a year ago. He's much more confident. He's much more accurate. He's got much more command of the huddle. He looks better in the pocket. Could have been better yesterday, but he's improved and he's getting better." He's going through his progressions, and when he is hitting his back foot with his timing and rhythm, he looks fantastic. And you just you, uh, you just don't throw people away, man. You just have to continue to work with him. He's here. He gives us our best chance to win. And as coaches, we're going to do everything we can to help him. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there. Not going to break down the whole soliloquy word by word. But um, more confident, can't tell. More accurate. Definitely can't tell. He barely completed 50% of his passes against New England. He's got much more command of the huddle. Uh, I don't know. You can see Garrett Wilson on the sideline. Doesn't seem like it. He looks better in the pocket. The same guy who, again, apparently looks better in the pocket who was sacked by uh, by uh, by Casper the Ghost. Uh, really? <laughs> it's the same guy who looks... Again, watch the video. Man was sacked by air. He didn't... Sl- Dude looked like it was somebody coming from around the edge, like a pass rusher, a great pass rusher of NFL's past, came in and got and got Zach Wilson and, and brought him to the, the MetLife turf, the terrible MetLife turf for that matter. Uh, so be that as it may. But there was another report that came out from Bleach Report saying that the Jets locker room, in particular the Jets defense, is fuming at Robert Sala not as a coach, not as like they don't like him or whatever. No, that he continues to start Zach Wilson. Now, more on the Zach aspect of it a little, you know, in just a a moment. But if you are a, and this is why I said, this is why I said that when the Rodgers injury happened, yes, obviously, Super Bowl hopes, dash, gone, not to be seen until at least next season. But this can't be a second year in a row where you have a young, hungry, talented cheap defense and just waste it because of awful quarterback play. Again, the jets had the worst quarterback situation in the league last year. You could argue that's the case. I make a strong argument. That's the case this year. You can't waste that defense again. Frankly, you can't waste some of the offensive pieces you have now Garrett Wilson, Dalvin cook, Brees hall. You got to have somebody back there who gives you the best chance to win. And Zach Wilson is not that guy. And so if you have a defense that, and I, I talked about this on Monday, I cannot imagine the frustration. Of course, I'll be pissed. Of course, I'll be frustrated when I have to remember DJ Reed, the excellent uh, 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 defensive back for the for the Jets, was talking about how before the season, hey, we can be the eighty five Bears. What well, you actually kind of have to be now, because your quarterback sucks. You almost have to be the eighty five Bears out of necessity, just to keep your teams in games. You gave up only fifteen points on Sunday, and lost. The other quarterback was terrible, and you lost. Of course I'd be pissed. Of course I'd be frustrated. And I would be extremely frustrated with Robert Sala and with Joe Douglas, and this goes back to a, 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 a problem that we have a lot of times in America, certainly in our political system, um, and even around the world, just people in general. We really, really struggle sometimes to do one thing. And that is admit when we're wrong. It's a hard thing to do. It's a tough pill to swallow. I had to do it on a Monday show. I was wrong about Tua by I had to do it. It's not fun. I'd rather come on and gloat about how I was right. I was wrong on Tua. At one point, as Robert Sala and Joe Douglas, the general manager of the Jets, going to come to the table. They don't have to say it publicly. They don't have to. And essentially, admit, yeah, we were wrong. You You're wrong on Zach Wilson. No wrong with that. Okay, you missed on the pick. Missed on the pick. A lot, a lot of people miss on picks. Niners are maybe the best-run organization in football. They missed on the third pick of the draft and lost a bunch of draft capital in doing so. Now the Niners are, of course, the better position. It's not going to hurt them too bad because Brock Purdy's playing so well. But sometimes you got to admit when you're wrong and for the New York Jets and I've heard uh is Carson Wentz going to be the guy and Nick Foles and as I mentioned earlier you know it's been floated maybe Colin Kaepernick some crazy chance that that potentially happens or maybe a trade for Kirk Cousins who Kirk's better than all of those guys but you know Kirk is not Aaron Rodgers that goes without saying uh is it really going to really going to what again if your goals and your aspiration or sorry your expectation of course your goal you hope to win the Super Bowl doesn't mean it's always, always realistic What's your expectations? Again, when crazy stuff, when, when, when crisis, so to speak, football crisis in this sense, hits, got to change your plan, got to do a 180, got to audible. Crisis has hit. Your backup quarterback, who's now unfortunately your starter, who I've said is an XFL quarterback, he's not good at playing the quarterback position. We, that is undeniable. We've seen that through his first three years in the NFL to this point. He's bad you're going to waste your defense the second straight year. I heard it floated that, hey, why don't the Jets just tank this year? and Because they got the first-round pick back from the Jets. Oh, yeah, and piss off the whole locker room and cost Robert Sala his job. Uh, let's not go with that option. Mess up the culture to a certain extent? That's a terrible idea. I admit you're wrong. I've never been a Carson Wentz guy. Carson Wentz is a better option than Zach Wilson. Last healthy season for Carson Wentz. What was the stat line? 27 touchdowns, seven picks. Yes, he gagged the last two games of the year. Yes, I have never been a Carson Wentz guy from the get-go. I've always said he's not a franchise quarterback. But he's a better option, than Zach. As is Nick Foles. As is certainly Kirk Cousins, who could potentially be moved by the Vikings given that his contract is expiring and they're 0-3. It, it, it is remarkable that you're, you're, you're costing yourself the locker room. Robert Saul is costing himself the locker room and potentially his job through that. And Joe Douglas, by not going out and seeking Trevor Simeon, come on. Trevor Simeon's a career backup. A, a nice player. I remember his first year as a starter in Denver, he started for the world champion Broncos. He's fine. He you know, had a couple games. He played decent. He's a backup. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I would take Simeon over over uh, Zach Wilson. I have a pretty good feeling that Simeon's going to start at some point this season. But there's other options, better options out there. You know, some of them are sitting on their couch. Some of them, you know, won a Super Bowl MVP not that long ago, and Nick Foles. Another one of them, some argued, is one of the 15 best quarterbacks in the league just two years ago. You know, something that's not a better option. So the context of this is Salah. Douglas kind of struggling to admit they're wrong. And that's a, that is something that plagues a lot of people. It plagues people in politics. It plagues people in marriages. It plagues people in general in relationships as a whole. The inability to admit, I messed up. I was wrong. Again, you don't have to come. We know the New York media is brutal. We know that. But you don't have to come crying to the New York media. We messed up. You can beat us. No, no, no. You play Zach Wilson, you have to play him on Sunday against Kansas City. It's too late at this point on Wednesday. But you go on and get one of these established quarterbacks in the National Football League. You let him learn the playbook for a week. You make them the guy, and you move on from Zach Wilson. And Trevor Simeon's your backup. You see those long faces. More importantly, those frustrated faces on that Jets sideline. You think they're too excited that Zach's starting this week? You think that this these rumblings coming from the Jets locker room are just rumors no, there's a lot behind that. We saw it a year ago, and given the expectations coming into this season and where they've nosed nose do into now, yeah, I don't blame the Jets organization, Jets team, and in particular the Jets defense for being pretty, pretty pissed. I don't, not in the slightest. So for carving up the context, the context is Coach Sala, Joe Douglas, really struggling to admit they're wrong. And it could cost the Jets head coach and GM their jobs. We'll see. Let's see here. Uh Tyler Helton. Uh he says, my question is I want to uh want to be a promoter for a YouTube channel. How can I uh, contact you guys? Uh DM me, hit me up and you know, we'll see. Uh, Barry Grant Jr., what kills me about Sala and Joe Douglas is that they're sabotaging the team. The team was promised no Zach after last season. Remember the Mike White shirts? The team didn't want Wilson. That's a great point, Barry. Of course, co-founder of the Grid Network, uh, host the Ivan podcast here. Uh, yeah, I remember that last year. Uh, Mike White, who you know had some moments last couple of years, with the Jets. And, you know, Mike White's out there playing well. And, yeah, like you said, Barry, the Jets players are wearing T-shirts for their quarterback. It's kind of like when they built the statue of uh of Nick Foles in Philadelphia, and it's like, boy, that's, that seemed like a shot at the quarterback Carson Wentz there, but the locker room bought into Foles more. Same thing, same situation here. Uh, and Barry says bringing in Rodgers this team's mood instantly. Going back to Zach puts them right back where they were last year. I don't care if LT is back there. Wilson is not an NFL quarterback. He's not. He's just not. We at what point again? I keep saying this. It's like beating beating your head on a wall against a wall. What more do you need to see? Not not just the collective view. I'm talking about the Jets. It's amazing to me. Patrick, this is why great uh, Jets players get out sooner than later to win. Jamal Adams uh, is an example. He also says Joe Namath called out the entire front office and Zach Wilson. Even he's seen enough of this team and his coaching staff. Yeah, I'm surprised genuinely that that comment, because Joe Namath obviously won the Super Bowl for the Jets way back in 69, uh, Super Bowl III, again, famously the first Super Bowl that was actually called a Super Bowl, uh, and of course we know it by that today, uh, Joe Namath was doing an interview recently, gosh, I think it was with Dan Lebitard, and he said that uh, he was he was he went after Zach Wilson, he went after the Jets for an office, I'm surprised that that, that comment didn't carry more weight than it did like genuinely surprised cuz that's that's Joe Namath that's kind of the original Joe Cool right I mean you think about Jets players like Joe Namath one of the first guys that comes to your mind I'm I'm genuinely shocked that it didn't again I'm not saying it necessarily has to be the everything Joe Namath says has to be how the Jets operate business of course not but I'm surprised that that didn't make as much of a mark as as it did maybe it will but thus far it doesn't doesn't seem like the like that's the case yeah watching Listen, we watch the NFL for a lot of reasons, but we know that it's a quarterback-driven league. And watching bad quarterback play just makes me want to pull my hair out. It, it really does. It's, oh my gosh, it's, watching Zach Wilson play is, is just, it, it is a, it's murder on the eyes. It really is. Barry says, and Barry's obviously from New York, he says, in New York it did. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Um, So yeah, I guess nationally it didn't play as big, but if it played in New York, then, you know, you, you think at least it made a mark, you know, in the Jets organization. I guess, I guess that's more what I'm referring to, Barry, is it didn't seem to make that much of a a splash, you know, within Jets quarters. Maybe it did, and we just don't know. I don't know. But it seemed like everything kind of leaks out of the Jets, so you think that'd be something that's publicized. Anyways, about to do Bryson's best 10. Spoiler alert, the Jets are not on it. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you know, the Jets were on the initial, the first Bryson's best 10 of the season. Uh, I think I had them at number 9. And um, yeah, that's that's uh, I don't think they're gonna be, I don't think they're gonna be sniffing the, this group, this very established group of teams, uh, the rest of the season, unless they bring back that you know, unretired, unemployed man who happens to be 46 years old who lives in Florida. Unless they bring that guy out, I don't see them sniffing the top 10. But point being, Bryson's best 10. If we can get the background music uh ready to go, because. This we this is a this is Bryce's best ten. We had a crazy week three, a little little bit of a shakeup here, a little bit of shakeup in this top ten. So, like I said, let's get the background music going uh, because uh, it has been it has been a pretty wild uh, first three weeks of the season. A lot has changed from week one to now. So let's go and start with number ten, a team making its debut on Bryce's best ten. It is the Buffalo Bills. You guys know I have not really believed in the Bills for a while now, but Buffalo cracks in at number 10. A lot of people putting them higher because there was a lot more belief in the Bills by other people not named, uh, not named Bryce's Carver, I guess. Um, But listen, I I like what I've seen the last couple of games. Josh Allen's played mostly clean football. Mesa big-time plays with his arm. Stephon Diggs has played well. Uh, The offensive line has been serviceable. Uh, Again, I still don't think it's an elite group by any stretch, but the defense for the Bills is really what, to me, elevates them into that top 10. They're top five in just about every statistical category, turnovers, sacks, the whole bit, and they still don't even have Von Miller coming back. Now, what he will be at this stage in his career, at this age of his career, coming back from an ACL, you know, remains to be seen. But you certainly hope he can get back to at least a a, a, a some sign of of Von Miller was even you know last year before he injured uh, or got injured the ACL injury on I think it might have been on Thanksgiving Day. So Buffalo Bills uh, at number ten again. If they beat Miami, who they play this weekend is probably the game of Week Four. If they beat Miami, oh they're going up higher. But if they're, I, I, I'm kind of leaning Miami to to win that game. Um, you know, in, in this, in this contest in week four. So again, I, I I want to love Josh Allen so bad, but he won't let me. It's the turnovers. It's the reckless plays again, hurtling over guys as if you're the first down markers right there and you're seven yards short. We've seen him make plays other than, uh, you know, similar to that against the Raiders. Uh, he had a, a questionable pick against Washington. So it's those little things that keep me from loving Josh Allen and even liking the bills, but they cracked the top 10 they're at number 10. At number 9, it is my Pittsburgh Steelers, who are in their highest spot on this list thus far. Uh, they started the season number 10. They came back in going into week 3 at number 10. They're now number 9. So, we know how great Pittsburgh's defense is. I think it's the best in football. I think T.J. Watt is absolutely with respect to guys like Parsons and and Watt, not Watt, um, uh, uh, Bosa. Nick Bosa in, in particular. Um, this guy is an absolute monster. He's got 6, six sacks through 3 games. Well on his way to do do what I predicted him to do, knock on what he says healthy, and that is break Michael Strahan's single-season sack record. I think he's going to set it this year and win another Defensive Player of the Year trophy. But even outside of T.J. Watt, Alex missed a great pass rusher. Pittsburgh paid him this offseason, this past offseason, well-deserved. Joey Porter, who I predicted to be the Defensive Rookie of the Year, now that's probably Will Anderson today thus far, but Joey Porter just gets better and better and better every week. You have the young corner making some plays, picking off Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, the Steel's linebacking core, uh, led by Marcus Golden, is excellent. Uh, this is a team that can blitz. This is a team that can rush four and still get pressure consistently. Uh, and then offensively, look, we understand the, the criticisms. I've been at, toward the front of the train on this, this whole anti-Mac Canada rhetoric, so to speak. But listen, had a solid game plan. Now, some of this could be... Yeah, the Raiders are have a, a pretty cruddy defense, so it kind of it might have been some of that. But I saw a lot of outside runs, not a lot, t- or not as much, I should say. Predictable play calling. He let Kenny Pickett, you know, get outside the pocket with his legs, which is where he's comfortable. He let Kenny Pickett take shots down the field. Kenny looked more comfortable. Uh, George Pickens looked great. Uh, the kid uh, Calvin Austin, I think, is his name, looked excellent. Had the long touchdown to get the stor- the scoring started for Pittsburgh. I still would like to see them use Jalen Warren a little bit more than they are. But it's a Mike Tomlin coach team. The defense is it's Pittsburgh, so of course it's awesome. And the offense, I thought, took a stride in the right direction. I would still love to see a 40 400-yard game at some point. At some point from my Steelers. But they're at number 9. At number 8, also making their debut on Bryce's best ten—a team that I liked coming into this year, the Seattle Seahawks are at number 8 on this list. So it's looking like, again, it is a young season, only three weeks in. But it's looking like for the Seattle Seahawks that this is a situation where we always have the a couple of week one games where we look back in December like, man, they lost to that team, you know, to start the year. I think we'll kind of look at Seattle where they lost the LA Rams in week one. And we're like, they they lost the Rams. Like, that, that lost badly to the Rams at home, and Geno Smith played terrible in that game. Since then, he was awesome against the Detroit Lions, and then he gets Carolina Panthers defense that is solid. Um, Geno played excellent. Uh, what, what's the stat? Let me pull it up here. Uh, Geno threw for 296, uh, 296 yards, a touchdown, good QBR, solid passer rating, and the Seahawks rushing attack led by Kenneth Walker was excellent. It's a Pete Carroll team, so of course they run the football well. Uh, defensively, they seem to be kind of hitting their stride a little bit. I know Carolina scored 27, uh, but some of that was, was kind of in garbage Time in Seattle mostly led uh, throughout. So, Seattle's ability to run the football again. Seattle sneakily has one of the best wide receiving trios in football with DK Metcalf, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, and Tyler Lockett, who's been a fantasy monster for a lot of people this year. Kenneth Walker runs the football well. Uh, now, if they can get some of these offensive linemen back healthy, that'll be you know key for them, it'll be crucial. Uh, but listen, the Seattle Seahawks team has all the makings to be back in the playoffs this year. I believe they were before the season. I believe that now Seattle is the eighth best team in the NFL. At number seven, it is the kneecap biters, the Detroit Lions, who play tomorrow night against the Green Bay Packers. I'll predict that game in just a moment. But Detroit goes to number seven. I think they had them. Let me make sure I had them at a number eight last week. At a number at number eight, after the loss to the Seahawks, they move up a spot because while the offensive performance wasn't overwhelming, only scoring 20 at home where they're great offensively, uh, albeit against a, great, or a very good Atlanta defense at the very least, that defensive performance. I understand Desmond Ritter's at quarterback. I get that, and Desmond Ritter is, I think, a backup in this league as you know as we sit here today. But Atlanta's got a really good offensive line, and Aiden Hutchinson and that Lions defensive line got in in, in Desmond Ritter's face for most of the afternoon. You know, forced him into some mistakes. The secondary for Detroit, I really like. Um, You know, Cam Sutton's playing pretty uh, pretty solid. And again, as many weapons as Atlanta has, uh, you know Detroit really shut that down. So, look, I, I said before this year, I think they're a team that's going to make the NFC title game. Jared Goff just seems to get better and better and more comfortable in this Ben Johnson offensive system. Uh, they run the football effectively. So, I, I think Detroit's absolutely number at number seven. Uh, big game tomorrow night against the Green Bay Packers. Um, but I, 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 I like Detroit right now as the seventh best team in the NFL. At number six, uh, they drop uh, a few spots. They drop a couple of... Uh, one spot, rather... Uh, from five to six. At number five, I've got. I'm sorry. Number six, rather. At number six, I've got the Baltimore Ravens. At number six, I've got the Baltimore Ravens. So, my thing with Baltimore is this. So I get it. It was an ugly loss to the uh, to the Indianapolis Colts. It wasn't one you you're, you're going to look back and say, "Oh, they played well." Lamar Jackson didn't look particularly great in their defense. In their defense. Garner is an experienced backup in this league, has won some games in the past, back with Jacksonville, um, and even in moments looked solid with Philadelphia last year, particularly in the Dallas game. But he, he's experienced. He's been there. He's done that. Uh, this is a Ravens defense that played relatively well. And by the way, if Justin Tucker makes, it's a long one, a 61-yarder, but we've seen Justin Tucker make kicks like that in the past. He does, after all, hold the all-time record. If that kick goes through... Here we are sitting talking about the Ravens at 3-0. And most importantly, they've got some reinforcements coming back uh, from injury this week. So I talked about earlier, Ronnie Stanley, their left tackle, uh, is back at practice uh, this week. Uh, uh, for the Baltimore Ravens, which is going to be huge for them uh, in terms of getting his left tackle back, giving Lamar the proper protection. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum is also coming back. Marcus Williams, their safety, is also coming back. So a lot of reinforcements offensively and defensively for the Baltimore Ravens. I still think today, as much as it pains me as a Steelers fan to say, that the best team in that division, certainly better than Cincinnati, I think better than Cleveland, as much as it hurts me to say again, I think, better than Pittsburgh today. Uh, but Baltimore, I, I believe Lamar and the offense will bounce back. Uh, they're still, again, still kind of trying to get comfortable with that uh, with that system led by Todd Munkin. Um, by about midseason, late October, early November, I think they'll really be hitting their stride. So I still got the Ravens in the top 10 at number six. At number five, they drop a couple spots. It's the Dallas Cowboys. I'm seeing a lot of teams drop Dallas to like six or seven. I think that's absolutely ludicrous. First of all, some of this is we're just underestimating the quarterback they play on the other side. Josh Dobbs is the starting quarterback in the NFL. I think it's, it's you know, recent data, and even data from last year would show you just that. Uh, but listen. Dak didn't uh, play particularly well, wasn't awful, but wasn't great either, wasn't in a position where he kind of put the team in his back, uh, missed some throws, Dallas has really been the story offensively, they're not good in the red zone, Uh, I think they got down inside the 10 four times and only came away with one touchdown against Arizona, Dak also threw a pick in that game. The defense, for as great as it is, as great as Micah Parsons is, they lose Trayvon Diggs, And even with Trayvon Diggs without him, that run defense, and we saw it a year ago, is kind of suspect. It's the reason they made the very questionable decision, at least in my mind, to take Mozzie Smith, the defensive lineman out of Michigan, using their first-round pick to do so instead of taking a tight end and giving Dak another weapon. Uh, But listen, they struggled to stop the run. They, They gave up 200 yards against the Cardinals. However... Part of the problem that that game is something they can very easily fix is the game plan. Mike McCarthy didn't really allow Dak to take that many shots. Dak only took three shots down the field, 20 yards or more. A lot of dink and dunk. A lot of not taking big risks. Uh, and by the way, Dallas should be getting Zach Martin back this week. Should be getting Tyron Smith back this week. Potentially Tyler Bionich. That's three offensive linemen that was out in that game against Arizona. He gets an okay Cardinals defensive line. They should get them back this week against New England. Uh, Dak is still undeniably a top-ten quarterback in the NFL until proven, proven otherwise. CeeDee Lamb's a monster. I have a feeling Dallas is going to make a point of getting him the ball early and getting the ball to him often. The defense will bounce back. Micah. Micah will have these, some of these stretches where he kind of disappears a little bit, and then he'll come back like, okay, yeah, there's number 11. He's, he's, he looks like the best football player in the field today. Dallas will get, kind of like Baltimore, reinforcements in their offensive line. They're a great running team. Really good passing team, great defense. Teams like that bounce back on you know after rough performances uh, against lesser teams. Cowboys at number five. I still think they're going to get to the Super Bowl. At number four, a team in their division, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, to me, are the fourth best team in the NFL. Because listen, I know a lot of people are criticizing them. Hey, they haven't looked that sharp offensively, and some of that is uh, is the the loss of Shane Steichen, now the the coach of the Indianapolis Colts. We understand that that is absolutely a factor, and Jalen Hurts hasn't played particularly well through the start of the season. I think only three touchdowns and three picks, so certainly not MVP numbers of which he put up last year in being in that MVP discussion. However, I've talked about Philadelphia before the season, and certainly, I think, believe as strongly as ever now, given the evidence that we have for, for what they've done through the first three games, they're the best team in the NFL up front. Be it offensive line, be it defensive line, that combination of what they have. It is a it is highway robbery that they got Jalen Carter. In the, with the ninth pick, we understand Jalen Carter had the off-the-field concerns, but Chicago obviously stupidly traded the pick to Philadelphia, who took Jalen Carter, who's potentially the best player in the draft, at least I thought he was, with the ninth pick, he is already wreaking absolute havoc on the football field, looks every bit like a potential Pro Bowl, an all-pro defensive uh, tackle for years to come in the NFL, but again, we talk about with Philly, They know their identity, they play into their strengths, and they ran the football about as effectively as any team uh, in the NFL. They look great against Tampa. Again, DeAndre Swift, since coming back from injury, has been a man on a mission, has looked outstanding, kind of maybe looking to prove Detroit wrong uh, to to a certain degree for trading him, him, but he looks great. Eagles offensive line is probably still the best in football, uh, and I have listen. It's Jalen Hurts, it's AJ Brown, it's Devontae Smith, guys like Dallas Goddard as well. They'll get the passing game right eventually, uh, but Philadelphia to me the fourth best team in the NFL. They can just flat out. We, we, it's it's not sexy. It's not something we talk about on all these shows all the time, but sometimes again, football in its most simple sense is moving another grown man against his will. I don't think any team does that better on both sides of the ball than the Philadelphia Eagles. They're the fourth best team in the NFL. At number three is the defending champion, Kansas City Chiefs. You must be asking yourself, Bryson, you had him at number two last week. How do they drop? Well, some of that is, obviously I haven't mentioned Miami yet. Miami jumped them. But I will say, loved what I saw from Kansas City offensively. And it was a great opportunity you know, given their opponents, given that Chicago might be the worst defense in the NFL, it was a great opportunity for them to get other guys involved. Uh, you saw guys like uh, like Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony get involved. The kid Rasheed Rice, I really like, could be a big time red zone weapon for them. And listen, they are now undeniably, I think they might have, for the time being, maybe taken the Cowboys' spot in this regard. They're probably the most popular team in the NFL right now with the addition of Taylor Swift. All the Swifties are now Chiefs fans. Travis Kelsey caught a touchdown. The defense looked amazing. Um, Listen, Kansas City is in a great spot. The tight end seemed like in his personal life. He's in a great spot. Mahomes looked excellent. Um, Didn't turn the football over. Was very efficient. Uh, Chicago was kind of like a get-right game for Kansas City on the offensive side of the ball. I have no reason to believe that they're just going to get a tank offensively moving forward. I said that coming into this week. Kansas City as the third best team in the NFL. They'll be just fine. No, no reason to worry about them whatsoever. At number two, let's get a little mini drum roll here. As a matter of fact, let me just play the drum roll emoji because this is emoji. Drum roll, um, sound, uh, soundbite. I've got Miami as the second best team in the NFL, because there's kind of debate. Is it Miami? Is it San Francisco? I've got Miami at number two, just a spot below the San Francisco 49ers. And here's the, the only reason it separates them is I haven't seen them do it in the playoffs. But, you know, when a team just dropped 70 on your head, when Tua tsunga plays basically a perfect football game, how we didn't get a perfect pass ratings beyond me. What, because he had three incompletions. Uh, yeah, when you throw twenty six passes, you are probably going to there is probably going to be some incompletions mixed in there. Um, the thing about Miami, and I keep saying this, that it separates them from where they were a year ago, not just the fact that two is healthy and will knock them with if that continues, but they they ran for three hundred yards against the Denver Broncos, and Raheem Moster looks great. The other guy they had there, I, Dolphins fans, I promise, I am going to learn how to say his name correctly. I promise. Uh, a-Chan A- is how you say his name, A-Chan, something like that, uh, looks great as well, the Dolphins offensive line is the best that's it been in the Tua era, Mike McDaniel is is taking place out of the Kyle Shanahan book, you know, obviously Kyle Shanahan's one of the most uh, uh, creative offensive play callers in football, you got Mike McDaniel coming from that system, you got these no-look shovel passes, now listen teams are going to get film on this, and it's going to be up to the Dolphins to adjust. I think they can though, when you can run the football, take the pressure off of Tua, who, as I made it on Monday's show, I was wrong about. Dolphins fans, forgive me. I apologize. I'm so sorry. Um... Yeah, you know, for what I've said about your guy for the last two years, but they're efficient. They run the football well. They take shots down the field. Tyreek looks like the best receiver in football today, even over to my man Justin Jefferson. Dolphins at number two. If they get the, get a win this week, they might be at number one. But the team, once again, third week in a row, that is the best team in the NFL in my eyes, is the San Francisco 49ers. So San Francisco at number one. I've talked all offseason. I've talked even on, on this show throughout the first part of this season about how great that roster is, so forget that. It is how dominant the 49ers have been uh, in this stretch of football uh, since their last regular season loss, which was week eight of 2022. Ever since week eight, they've won every single football game they played. The only one that they lost was when they literally didn't have a quarterback. Brock Purdy... Blew out his UCL. Uh, the backup, Josh Johnson, the well traveled man, Josh Johnson, got a, got concussed in that game. So you had Christian McCaffrey taking snaps against the Philadelphia Eagles. Listen, again, we talk about Philadelphia's ability to beat you uh, up front. There's no question about that. Uh, the 49ers are about as good as any team in the NFL, not named Philadelphia in that regard. I get it's the Giants. I understand that. Uh, but when you look at that, what they did, they, they, they you know. Uh, Offensively, Brock Purdy threw for 300 uh, 300 yards. Had a great passer and a great QBR. They ran the ball well, 141 yards rushing. Christian McCaffrey is a man on a mission, potentially. uh, The the best uh, offensive player in the NFL, arguably. Could be the frontrunner for Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, Certainly is in that discussion. And listen, you look at San Francisco, what they've allowed defensively. Uh, They gave up seven to my Steelers. Gave up 23 to the Rams. But A, divisional familiarity. B... Uh, The Rams got a late cover on the field goal and were awful in the second half offensively and then 12 to the New York Giants. So, listen, their their big test is coming in a couple weeks against the Cowboys offense, but I I don't, I keep saying this, please tell me the weakness of this Niners football team because for all of those that say quarterback, I can't tell. Uh, Since he stepped in, not only is he, oh, okay, he wins, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo won. The numbers this guy is putting up and the trust that the Shanahan... Uh, coaching staff has in this guy tells me all I need to know he's accurate he's mobile he makes throws in and outside the pocket he's an excellent leader he doesn't turn the football over what is there not to like he's excellent Brock Purdy's excellent the San Francisco 49ers to me third week in a row are the best team in the NFL before we get to uh to, to the comments uh let's go back over Bryce's best 10 in order at number 10, the Buffalo Bills. At number 9, my Pittsburgh Steelers. At number 8, the Seattle Seahawks. At number 7, the Detroit Lions. At number 6, the Baltimore Ravens. At number uh, 5, the Dallas Cowboys. At number 4, the Philadelphia Eagles. At number 3, the Kansas City Chiefs. At number 2, the Miami Dolphins. And at number 1, once again, the San Francisco 49ers. I can't wait for Dallas to San Francisco in a couple of weeks. Uh, let's see, this is back to our Jets topic. We're talking about all these great teams. Let's go back to the Jets. Uh, but this is from the Jets topic. Patrick says, Problem is the Jets are blind to their own bad decisions. The uh, the boiling point uh, is here, and now it's just a matter of time before guys start to vent in the media. Yeah, that's that's a great point, Patrick. That's what's going to become a big problem. Like when guys are, maybe you're going to have a Sauce Gardner, maybe you're going to have a Garrett Wilson to go to the media and kind of take a mini shots at Zach. That's going to be a problem. So Cup 8 now. Sign a winch trade for Cousins. Move on from Zach. Make Trevor Simmons your backup. Um. Okay, real quick before I predict Lions-Packers. Again, got some really good week uh, week four games. So, Falcon-Jaguars is our first London game. We know the Jags do not lose in London. They actually, it's crazy enough, the Jags had a really good season last year. They actually happened to lose in London to Russell Wilson and the Broncos during the Nat Hackett era. I know. Which, by the way, it isn't like the Sean Payton era is going much better. But at least Russell Russell looks better this year. Broncos, eh, seem like in the same spot. Now the defense is the problem. They just gave up, you know, 70 points. It kind of matters. Uh, Dolphins-Bills, to me, is the game of the day. Um, That's kind of a big-time test, certainly for Buffalo and for Miami as well. This will be the best defense the Dolphins have, has faced and the best offense that the Bills has faced. So it's going to be a good chess match there. you got a grudge match. Broncos-Bears. I could care less who wins that game. Somebody said they should flex that game to three in the morning. Seriously, just it's in Soldier Field. Just put it at five. You know the diehard Bears fans will show up. Nobody will watch on television. It'll be like two a.m. on the West Coast when that game kicks off. Just I don't know. Put it in. Just put it in another country that we 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 don't have to get up at a crazy hour or where we'd have to get up at a crazy hour and watch it because. Frankly, we wouldn't do that. Uh, what else we got? Ravens-Browns is a good matchup. Two great defenses, big-time AFC North matchup. Cleveland's a three-point favorite, which is you know not surprising because, you know, listen, if both teams were, you know, if this was a neutral site game, this would probably be a pick 'em. At least that's what Vegas is indicating. What else do we have? Uh, Commanders-Eagles is interesting. We've got Cardinals-Niners. Watch out. Watch out, San Fran. I know you're 14-point favorites, but this is Joshua Space Dobbs we're talking about. Watch out. Uh, Cowboys Patriots is a good one. Steelers Texans. Now that's maybe not the most intriguing matchup, but I bring it up because a, it's my team and B JJ Watts going to get his number retired with his brother playing. I I, I'm telling you, I think, I think TJ Watts going to have a big, big afternoon in Houston, big afternoon. Steelers are three point favorites in that game, by the way. Okay. So like I said, appreciate everybody showing up, uh, and, and tuning into the show today, last segment and during football season, Basically, at the end of every show throughout the week, there is a game or multiple games, certainly on Friday. That's, to me, what the whole show is based around is predicting the the Sunday games. Uh, Week four will kick off uh, tomorrow with an NFC North rivalry match. It happens to be two teams uh, in which one team swept the other last year uh, with the Detroit Lions sweeping the Packers last year. Detroit actually ended Green Bay's season at Lambeau, and what happened to be the last game of the Aaron Rodgers era uh, in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So, again, in this matchup, you've got, like I mentioned, the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers squaring off at Lambeau Field on Thursday Night Football standalone game. The Lions are one and a half point road favorites. So, Packers are home underdog. Listen, Detroit, as I mentioned, I have them as the seventh best team in the NFL. I have them at seventh on Bryce's best 10. I was really impressed by their defensive performance. Aiden Hutchinson looked great. Offensively, not terribly impressive, but A, that's a great Falcons defense, and B, the offensive play calling, they didn't take a whole lot of big risk because of how well their defense was playing. And so listen, I think this is be a matchup against the Green Bay Packers who have a solid defense. Um, played well against the the Saints, albeit with Derek Carr out uh, for most of that second half with Jameis Winston in the lineup. But they have Jerry Alexander. They have a good pass rush. Rashawn Gary has played well. Uh, so the Packers have some playmakers on the defensive side uh, of the football. Offensively, kind of we were talking about with the Ravens, with the Cowboys, Green Bay's getting some reinforcements. So they're getting uh, Aaron Jones back, it looks like. They are almost assuredly getting Christian Watson back, who was a game-time decision on sure Aaron game-time decision. But it came down to the wire whether or not he was going to play on Sunday, gets the Saints. It looks like Christian Watson is going to be ready to go. The same can be said, appears to be said, be able to, be able to say about Aaron Jones. David Bakhtiari, though, star left tackle for the Packers. Looks like he is out for this matchup. So that's going to be big, especially Aiden Hutchinson coming around that side uh, of, of the ball, potentially pressuring Jordan Love. Look, I know you Packer fans want me to buy into Jordan Love. And this, by the way, would be a game in which if the Packers win, you know, you get a little bit more buy-in from me. But Jordan Love, not only has he not put together a complete game, but when he's bad, he's really bad. Look at that matchup against the Falcons. Offense is humming. He threw that touchdown pass, make it 24-12. Packers look like they're going to win, and they don't get a first down the rest of the game. On the other hand, last week against the Saints, and props to Jordan Love, give him all the love in the world for that comeback, because a 17-0 comeback in the fourth quarter, even against a backup quarterback, that's a great Saints defense. That's tough to do. Um, albeit Dennis Allen is, is um uh, is not a great situational game manager as a head coach, but we'll leave that aside. Jordan Love was terrible through the first three quarters of that football game. The Saints will, will, will let you you know we'll let you back in these games because that's what Dennis Allen does. The Lions will not. When the Lions, and again, not to bring out the kneecap thing, and we'll play the kneecap soundbite if they win on, on Friday's show. But but if you're the Detroit Lions and you build a big-time lead. They're gonna put your foot on their. Uh, they're gonna put their foot in your neck. They're not gonna give you an opportunity to get some breathing uh, room and get back into that football game. They're not. Again, they swept y'all last year with Aaron Rodgers and by the way, with subpar offensive performances. I think Detroit only scored was it 15 in that game against Green Bay in Detroit, and then I think it was 20 at Lambeau. In that must-win game for the Packers to get in the playoffs when they beat Aaron Rodgers in his final game there, uh, listen, I really like Detroit. You guys know I, I, I bought into them uh, since the offseason. they They've—I I said I really wanted to see improvement from the defensively. I've seen that certainly last week against Atlanta. I think they kind of continue that again. Short week at Lambeau, tough place to win. But give me the Detroit Lions to win this game, 29 to 21 over the Green Bay Packers. They obviously cover the point and a half point spread. They beat Green Bay on the road. Again, I think they have the better coach. They have the better quarterback. They have the better uh, roster as a whole. They probably don't have the better defense, but they certainly have the hotter defense coming into this matchup. Uh, And and listen, I I, I just, I like where Detroit's humming. Uh, I like where Detroit's at from an expectation standpoint, kind of, you know, embracing that and living up to that. So give me the Detroit Lions to win this football game. 29, put that score back up one more time. 29 to 21 over the Green Bay Packers. And she's head Ozzie may just make an appearance on Friday's show. He may. We'll see. Let's see. uh, Patrick says the Bears versus Broncos game can be played until the cows come home. Nobody will care unless you're a fan of either team. And frankly, Patrick, if you are a fan of either team, you might almost be rooting for a loss. (laughs) It's a a tank for Caleb. Okay, a loss might actually, because neither team's making the playoffs. That goes without saying. I dread having to pick that game on Friday's show. And I love predicting games. That might be Bryce's bleak bet. It, it, it might be. We'll see. All right. That is all the time we have for today's show. loaded show today. You got the Dame news. You got the, I can talk about the Bengals. Bryce's best tank carving up the context was, was, a, was a spirited one for sure. And again, just predicted the Packers and Lions game. So great Wednesday show. Very, very you know grateful for all the, the, the comments. A uh, lot of, lot of, lot of comments here in the comment session. A lot of, uh, you know, uh, interaction between that that's that's part of the reason why i started carving it up live again carving it up started in 2019 carving it up live started in january of 2021 so i greatly appreciate the engagement again uh again we'll see you all on friday show obviously at 6 p.m eastern at 3 p.m pacific time right here on the grid network's youtube channel the carving it up youtube channel and the carving it up twitter not x twitter account and be sure again to like share comments and to take two seconds out of your day hit that big red subscribe button Helps the channel grow exponentially. We're almost to 300 if we're not there uh, already. So if you have subscribed, we really appreciate it. If you have not, please tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a family member to tell their friend uh, to subscribe to the show. And, of course, be sure to go subscribe to The Grid Network. That is GRYD, the Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your podcast. Also, speaking of the Grid Network, uh, last night, once again, I think it was episode eight uh, of this particular show. Tune in every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific time to the eight o'clock spot. On the Grid Networks YouTube channel and Twitter account, very very exciting show. Had a blast last night uh, with Barry, with Mike, with John. John, great contestants, great show. Um, Mike Guido actually became Mike Guido, co-founder of the Grid with Barry, uh, became the first participant, first contestant in the history of uh, of the eight o'clock spot to get the max amount of score. I don't remember exactly what his score was. was think about, was it fourteen thousand? It was something like that, something like that, the max score that you can possibly get on the show. If you don't know the rules, you could check out yesterday's episode, the 8 o'clock spot on the Grid Network, and every Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Very, very fun show, very exciting show. I'm the moderator of it, uh, and we get great contestants uh, every single week, so definitely tune in to the 8 o'clock spot. Okay, great game tomorrow night. NBA is going wild with the Dame trade. I guess we just got to see one, one dominoes left, and what the flip happens with James Harden. Who knows? Anyways, we'll see you on Friday's show. Uh, Thanks for watching the show once again. Please be sure to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, please, please be sure to contact your local state representatives and your senators to demand change for gun violence in America. It's a big-time issue we got to address here. Big-time issue. All right. See you all on Friday. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. In case you have one or I really like the Rudy Gobert, or the Rudy Gay trade, I, or signing. I really like it. I like Rudy Gay. Okay, Thanks like so it. much for watching the show on YouTube, and be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live, as well as our other incredible content creators here on The Grid Network.